turn with me in your Bibles to John 8, and we're going to read a few scriptures from John 8, and then we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read a few passages of scripture from there as well. While you're turning there, I want you to understand we've been talking about the kingdom of God, something that I've really become very excited about because I just believe God's just been opening this up to me, how exciting the kingdom of God is. And I just want to give you just a little brief review of this because so often we hear about preaching, we hear about the gospel, and that is wonderful because the gospel is the thing that needs to be preached. But we also have to understand that in the New Testament, they saw, it's so often referred to as they preach the kingdom of God. They were able to declare that the kingdom of God is at hand. And the kingdom of God was not a passive thing. It was intrusive. The kingdom of God would come with power and with signs and with wonders. A demonstration of the Holy Spirit to reveal the King, who is Jesus Christ, all to the glory of God the Father. And so the Trinity is all active in the manifestation of this kingdom. And the church is the central agent by which the kingdom of God is going to be expressed on the earth today. We have to understand and know that when Jesus came into the world, that he did come as a king. And that was one of the reasons he was crucified, because it was declared that he was a king. And even the title on his cross, that this is the king of the Jews. And so when Jesus came into the world, he came with a mission. And the mission was far more than to save people from hell. It was far more than to just give us a hope that when we die, we can be with Jesus in heaven. But when Jesus came, he came to take over. He came to reclaim what man had lost by fulfilling the demands of God. And he fulfilled the law, and he went to the cross, and he nailed the law and everything that was against us to his cross. So now there's no hindrance. Whosoever will can come, but what are we coming to? We're coming to his kingdom. We are being translated from darkness to light, from death to life. We are being brought into the very kingdom of God. And the Bible teaches us that when this happens to us, we become royalty. We become ambassadors of this kingdom. And it's not a formal thing where we're just given some information now that we want to go and share this information with the nations. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God is literally inside of us calling out to the lost people because he wants to bring them into his kingdom. This is the only safe place is the kingdom of God. And another thing that we've learned is whatever we do on earth, and I I have to qualify this as being acts of faith and love. Because you can do a lot of things, even in the power of the Holy Spirit, and not have love. You can give all your goods away to the poor. You can have all types of understanding of the mysteries of God. You can speak in tongues. You can give your body to be burned. But you can do all of that without love. And if it's without love, it profits you nothing. And whatever's not of faith is sin. So what we do on this earth, in this life, through faith and love, which I believe demands the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, that is going to continue. It is not going to stop when you die. But what you're doing is continuing on into the eternal age. Jesus said this, He said, whoever has left father or mother 
our lands, our homes, our wives, or even children, for my sake, for the gospel's sake, shall in this life and in the one to come receive a hundredfold reward. That's what he assured us. It's not just here that God is recognizing what we're doing, but it is creating for us an eternal reward in heaven. Everything we do that's by faith and in love through the power of the Holy Spirit is going on forever and ever. God says that I will not be negligent to forget your labor of love that you showed to the saints. God is remembering it, and God is going to bring you before the throne of Jesus one day, and your works are going to be judged. You're not going to be judged whether you're saved or not, but your works are going to be judged. And you have an opportunity by what you do here on this earth to receive a great reward in heaven. The Bible tells us, though, that there will be some, as the works are tried in the fire, they're burned up. Some will receive a small reward, and some will enter into the kingdom by the skin of their teeth. I don't understand all of that. But when Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, then that tells me there's a possibility that I can go to heaven where many treasures have been laid up. I want to take that seriously. I don't want to go to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to go to heaven where there's a vast treasure of rewards that somehow in whatever context that means into that eternal age that my life would be used greatly for the king. I desire that. Y'all, we're going to step into eternity. We're going to go to heaven. But the will of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is going to be manifested on the earth. And when we go to heaven, we're not playing harps and sitting in clouds and singing the whole time. We're going to be serving the king. We're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. We're humans. We are created to work. We are created to rule. We are created with abilities in the image of God with, with the abilities for engineering and art, all types of creativity that we have. And, and in that society that's coming, we're going to be utilizing to the full capacity all of our abilities as humans in building that empire of Jesus Christ throughout the earth and perhaps the galaxies. We don't know. But I tell you this, it's going to be glorious. And if what I do here gives me the potential of increased wealth there, then I want to take that very seriously. Now, in John chapter 8, I want us to read this about Jesus and the declarations, some of the things that he said. I wish we had time to read it all, break it all down, but I encourage you to study it yourself. In John 8, verse 23, he said to them, you are from beneath I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And so this is the king speaking. And the king makes it very clear. There's a difference between me and you. You being everyone he was talking to. You're of this world and I'm not. As a matter of fact, Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 15 that the first man was of the earth. He was earthy. That's the Adam that fell. 
But the second man, the Lord of heaven, is a heavenly man. And he came to this earth. He was in it, but he was not of it. He was separated from it. He is a king, though he is the earthly king and will rule and reign over everything. He is the heavenly king, separated from everything that contaminated this world. If the king is not of this world, then it is important that the subjects of this king are not of this world. It's important. That just means we have to be born again. We have to be. And unless we're born again, we're of this world. It doesn't matter what you believe about God, what you believe about Jesus. If you're not born again, you're of this world and you're not of his kingdom. You must be born again. And so I want you to see this in John 18. And we're continuing this, the king and the kingdom and the difference and the, and the separation of it. So not only is Jesus not of this world... But in John 18, verse 36, Jesus answered, and he's talking to Pilate, and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. So I'm the king, and I'm not of this world, and my kingdom is not of this world. And then he begins to give us an insight about his kingdom and those who serve his kingdom. He said this, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from here. Not from here. And in chapter 17 of John, verse 6, this is Jesus' prayer. And he reveals so many wonderful things in this prayer. And the desires that he has as a king for those who will become his subjects. He says in verse 6, I have manifested your name to them, to the men, which you gave me out of the world. Isn't it wonderful that the king is not of the world? And isn't it wonderful that the kingdom is not of the world? But isn't it wonderful the kingdom is composed of people who were once of the world, but have been brought out of it? That gives us all hope. That gives us all confidence that that can be me. That can be you. Thine they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, for they are yours. He says in verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. We once were of the world, but now we're not. Beloved, if you've been born again, you're not of the world anymore. But why do we allow the world to dictate so much of our life? It is the worldly Christianity that has produced the Pharisees and the religion that always seeks to corrupt the house of God from its natural joy and its natural life. Beloved, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That ought to be the characteristic of the kingdom. It ought to be the characteristic of the church and of the believer. How do I know that you're a believer? Because there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost in you. And it's manifested that way. It's not stoicism. It's not your ability to say what you gave up to become a Christian. 
It's not your ability to confess what you don't do now that you become a Christian. It's not so much what you don't do anymore since you met Jesus, but it's what do you do? What is it about your life that's uniquely different? It's full of joy, full of peace, and full of righteousness. And so they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And our last scripture is in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this is Paul's epistle, and he, he makes this statement that I know we've all read before, but I just want you to see it with me again tonight. 2 Timothy 2. Verse 3, you therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And I love this passage of scripture and I think it goes so well with what God has put in my heart. To speak to us about tonight. The title of this message is. Fighting for the king and preaching the kingdom. And I want, I just want this to resonate within your spirit. That Jesus Christ came into the world. And he answered some direct questions. And one of the first things that he says is. I'm not of this world. Then he said my kingdom is not of this world. And then he spoke of his subjects. Who were once of this world. But you are no longer of this world because you've received my word and because you love me and God has taken you out of the world and he has brought you into this kingdom. I want to I want to refer you to Galatians chapter six. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to turn there. But Paul said this, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ. By whom the world is separated to me, and I am separated to the world. Beloved, you've got to understand that. He gloried in the whom of the cross. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross by whom I am separated from this world and this world from me. The only exit that you can make from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. Not just through your self-sacrifice. Not through your ability to stop doing a particular sin. Not for your ability to discipline yourself to do religious things. But the only way into this kingdom is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And the miracle of the cross, it is the whom, the he, the Jesus... That has the power to separate you from the world and separate the world from you. That's how you're no longer of it. You're separated from it just like he is separated from it. And Jesus said to Pilate, if my kingdom were of this world, my subjects would fight for me. But now my kingdom is not from here. But when Jesus Christ went to the cross... He defeated principalities and powers. Y'all, he defeated them. He made a show of them. He openly triumphed over them in his cross. He crushed the powers of hell. He crushed the powers of Satan. Now, I'm by no means saying that Satan is no longer active in the earth. I'm by no means saying that Satan is bound up and we're living in the millennium because we're certainly not. 
But what I'm saying is this. Jesus beat him at the cross. He triumphed over him. And this power has been broken. There's a passage of scripture in the gospels where Jesus says, Now is the God of this world cast out. Now is he cast out. Jesus defeated him there. And the church now remains in the earth with a commission that we are to go into the earth and we are to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And that is the fact that the kingdom that is now parading itself in this world with corruption and death and disease and immorality and godlessness, that kingdom is a defeated kingdom. And the kingdom of life and liberty and joy and righteousness and peace is the kingdom that has triumphed. It is the kingdom that is going to come and take over the world. And the glory of God is going to fill the earth. And we have a part in that. We're not going to usher in paradise. We're not going to take the world over for Christ. And once it's all settled and everything is now Christianized, then Jesus can come back. That's not what we're going to do. But the church is an outpost all over this world. It is an outpost or a testimony or a refuge or a high tower where people who are being persecuted and haunted by hell and suicide and disease and addiction and they've had enough of it. Is there any place for me? They should be able to go to the church of Jesus Christ and find the king there who can set them free and separate the world from them. Separate them from that power of darkness that is destroying their lives. Because there's really only one rival kingdom to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it's not these physical kingdoms that we're so familiar with. These physical kingdoms are simply pawns in the hands of demons and devils who are manipulating them to their own bidding. God allowing it to happen to bring it eventually to a dramatic and a dramatic um, climax when the kingdom of God literally comes back to earth through Jesus Christ when he returns. But Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that there is the God of this world who is operating in the world and there is a spirit that comes forth from that kingdom It is a spirit of rebellion. It is a spirit of unbelief. And everybody is moved by that spirit that children of wrath, children of disobedience or unbelief are affected, influenced by that spirit of the devil that's at work today. And that's our battle. People are not our battle. North Korea, they're not our enemy. They're the enemy of the United States. They may be the enemy of capitalism, but they're not our enemy. They are slaves to powers of darkness that need to be set free. And the only power that is able to go in there and set them free is not ambassadors of the United States, but ambassadors of the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel that these people can come to know the king the real king and the true king. And that is our chief mission while we're on the earth. You don't have to go to North Korea. You can go to the street corner and you can find people that are in bondage and addictions. You can find people that have migrated to the United States from countries all over the world and they have nothing to eat. They're sitting there with their children and they're just needing help and they need more than food. They need to know the king. And so we have to preach the gospel of the kingdom, not just do good works, but we have to preach the gospel of the kingdom. But Jesus said, 
that my servants will fight for me. The servants of my kingdom will fight for me. And I want you to think about that. Because we're supposed to join our king. We're supposed to fight for our king. It's been a long time. It's been a very long time in America. And young people probably can't even reflect back to a time when our country came under a particular attack. And it was like almost the whole nation kind of joined together in unity. That we're under attack and we need to stand up in solidarity together. And we need to fight off this terrorism. It's been a long time since something like that happened that would just bring us together. And cause us to want to fight together. But there is a touch of that in our country where some of us can remember a day. Whether it was in one of the past wars where we could remember that, that it meant something for us to fight for liberty and fight for freedom. And we were Americans and we were proud to be Americans. And we were proud to fight for liberty and for freedom. And, we, and it was something that, that, that was marked upon us. That's been lost in our day. There's division in our country. But we, we, have, a, we have a touch of that. And so we can somehow understand what it must mean to have a king that's so great and have a kingdom that's so marvelous that we can fight for it. Because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven is under assault. But not because it's on the defensive, but it's on the offensive. The kingdom of heaven is going to the gates of hell to demand the release of the captives. And would to God that all of the subjects of the great King Jesus would be fighting for him. But we find ourselves divided. We find our lives divided. We find our time divided. We find our money divided. We're divided by other interests. We're divided by other things. And like Paul warned Timothy, don't get entangled with the affairs of this life. But serve the King. Serve the one that we are living to please. And keep yourself free for him. For one reason, that you might be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. And another reason is because the king is coming. And don't be entangled with this world because everything you've been spending your time trying to gain, you're not taking it with you. But you can lay treasures up for yourself in heaven. And so fight for him. That's why people don't tithe. They have no desire to fight for the king. That's why people, when, when family comes into town, they don't go to church. Because they're not fighting for the king. That, that's why people get involved in, in kingdom work only as it is convenient to their schedule because we're not fighting for the king. You just try to pull off some of that with our military. I mean, you, you, you just try to call in to the, to the Marine sergeant and say, Hey, Sarge, you know, my, my in-laws are coming into town this weekend and I, I just can't come back in and do drills with y'all this coming week. How, how's that going to fly? Right? I don't think it's going to go over very well. And, or if we were to say to the, to the army, you know, that, that we're enlisted in and, and we tell the army, the army's going to be doing these drills and, and you just say, well, that just really doesn't work for me. You know, I'm not called to sleeping out in the woods and sleeping bags and foxholes and I'm not called to eat these kinds of rations and stuff like that. That, that just doesn't suit me. And, and so I just think I'm going to politely back out, but I just want you to know I support my troop 100%. But yet, that's the way the church or the kingdom of God is treated so often. 
I'm sorry, king, I can't come today. I'm sorry, king, I can't give today. I'm sorry, king, I can't go today. I'm sorry, king, I can't help that mission or this mission or that. I'm sorry, king, certainly you understand. I have other obligations. But I'm going to tell you something the king doesn't understand. You have one obligation. That's me, not, not, not Lee, but Jesus. You have one obligation, Jesus. And don't think of it in terms of First New Testament. It's the kingdom of God. It's serving the king. If you're going to serve the king appropriately, you've got to walk with the king and know the king and worship the king and love the king. That's why you've been given the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that. And so I just want to close with this. Don't think it's a fast closing. It's not even eight. So this, this will be a good 19 minutes or so, okay? And don't hold me to that. We're fighting principalities and powers of darkness. And there's a passage in the Bible, and I'm just going to refer to it. There's so many passages of Scripture we could go to, such as Ephesians chapter 6 and the armor of God and the weapons of our warfare. But I want to refer to Revelation 12, 11, and it says they overcame him. Speaking of the accuser of the brethren, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. And I just want to talk about this in, in the aspect of, would you fight for the king? Would you engage the rest of your life to become disentangled with this world you've been taken out of? And now would you get yourself all tangled up with the kingdom you've been brought into? The dividends for you are going to be far greater if you live with a united heart, an undivided heart for King Jesus, than if you live with a divided heart and do a little bit for the Lord and a little bit for yourself and a little bit for your children, a little bit for your family. Do it all for the king and nothing else is going to be left out. He's going to see to that. It's not God and then Family and then church. It's not God or church or family. However you want to put it on the hierarchy. It's not that. It's God. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus period. And if Jesus is right in my life. He'll be right in my family. He'll be right in my church. He'll be right in my community. He'll be right in my career. He'll be right in everything that I have to do. If Jesus is right. If Jesus is wrong in my view and my perspective and in my worship then everything else is going to be messed up and skewed. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. This speaks of the cross. It speaks of the testimony of God through the cross of his son, Jesus Christ. As he died in order to wash our sins away. This is referring to Satan as the accuser of the brethren. To paralyze us from being able to do the work of God. How the devil would love to disqualify us. You're disqualified. I accuse you. I lay accusation after accusation after accusation after accusation after accusation upon you. I accuse you. And he doesn't have to make anything up about us. The truth is enough. But the way we overcome that is by the blood of the Lamb. I believe it was Martin Luther who used to fight Horrific battles with demons. 
He said it was Satan himself. But he did say there was one particular time Satan came to him. He knew. And when Satan came to him, he rolled out a scroll that just kept going. And Luther said, what is that? Satan said, your sins. Luther said something to the effect, is that all you've got? Satan said, it's enough. It's enough. Luther, one of them is enough. Luther said, true Satan, but you forgot one thing. Satan said, what is that? Luther said, you forgot to write that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all my sins. You forgot to write that. It says they overcame him. That means the church, they. It doesn't say Jesus did because he already did his job. Not, not that he's not still doing it as our high priest. It doesn't say God overcame him, but they did. That the church loved one another because they were all forgiven. We were all disqualified. But now we've been qualified by Jesus Christ. And instead of pointing our fingers at one another and judging one another and paralyzing the body of Christ from being effective We take up arms against Satan, not against our fallen brother or sister. And we preach the blood, the gospel over their life. And we defend them and we guard them and we protect them and we beat hell off of them. Through our prayers and through our intercession. You see, that's what soldiers are doing in this altar at church. That's what we're doing here. We're fighting for you. Because what good is it to go to church if God's not there? But he inhabits the praises of his people. So we're coming in here and we're fighting. Why? Because I know Satan's accused some of you this week. You don't need a message from Lee. You need a visitation from God. And the rest of us need the power of God to be able to plead the blood of Jesus over your life. To fight those accusations against your life with the blood of Jesus Christ. Great, our great high priest always interceding for us and taking care of us. Listen to me. The nature of God is found in the cross. The beauty of God's love will never be demonstrated without a cross. It will never happen. And this Jesus Christ, who took his cross up to Calvary, is not just performing an act. According to 1 John chapter 4, he's giving a demonstration. This is what love is. And God is love. This is the nature of God. That he is willing to sacrifice himself. I think that is so needed today. The principle of the cross is more than abstaining from offensive moral acts. But it's the power by which you love your enemies. It's the ability by which you resist temptation. It's the power by which you forgive the church. 
It's the power by which you're able to respond godly and triumphantly to situations that are supposed to knock you out. It's the miracle of the cross. And the person that has experienced the power of the cross has experienced the power of God's nature in them. They don't go around boasting in themselves of how great they are now or how holy they are now. They know what they are. Rather, they rejoice in the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ through whom and by which they are sanctified and they are set free. And the Bible also says they overcame it by the word of their testimony. I don't take this away from you if you want to share your testimony about where you were and what God did for your life. But I don't believe that's what Revelation is talking about. I believe our testimony is all the same. That we are redeemed by him. The gospel of Jesus Christ is my testimony. And I believe it's your testimony. Because what is the one thing that you want people to know? He saves. He saves. And I believe that's what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 8. In regards to the accusations of the devil. If God as far as who can be against us. If God did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely forgive us of all things? Who is he that condemns? Who is he that judges you? It's God who justified you. That's the word of my testimony. I have a high priest who has justified me and sanctified me and separated me and set me apart. And I just say this to us, y'all. If we're going to beat the devil, if we're going to really have an opportunity to serve as the servants of the king and have a powerful life, an effective life, we have first of all got to have the power of the cross among us. We've got to forgive one another. We've got to love one another. We've got to protect one another. We can't kill each other. We can't judge each other because somebody may have fallen. You don't go gossip about somebody. And gossip's not just telling a lie. Sometimes it's telling the truth about somebody that just doesn't need to be said. And we, and, and in the church of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be able to affect the world with the kingdom of God, we've got to have the liberty within ourselves. And then secondly, we have to exercise the testimony of Jesus in the world. We take it out there to the world and we let the world know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I mean this in the power of a full gospel. I remind you of this. Paul said in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. It's the power of God to save. But then he said in Romans 15, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders. And beloved, that's the gospel. And any type of preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that lacks the signs and the wonders of the Holy Spirit is half a gospel. Don't preach half a gospel. Be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and preach the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. And when men and devils rise up to pounce upon you and the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, the power of the Holy Spirit in you will will, will reveal the king to those enemies that are coming up against your life. It might be through your persecution. It might be through your deliverance. That's up to him. That's up to the king. But the fact of the matter is, is God is going to do it. And it's going to be to his glory and to his will. And then they love not their lives. They love not their lives. They're willing to lay it down. I want to say this in regards to this life. For me, to be taken out of the world and brought into his world, to not love my life anymore, 
but willingly at a place in my life to lay it down. It just tells me that I have come to a new intelligence. And, and I, I believe that's what the new creation is. It, 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 there, there's an intelligence in it. There are things you know as a Christian you never knew when you weren't a Christian. And, and listen, guys, you can testify to this, that the very moment you were born again, your eyes were open to things that you never saw before in a moment. Thing, you knew things that were never taught to you because you could see. You could see. There's an intelligence that comes to the new creature in Jesus Christ. And when we are new creations, the knowledge of how to believe in God, the knowledge of how to walk in grace, the knowledge of how to rise by being low, the knowledge of how to be first by being last, the knowledge of how to be strong by being weak comes to that creature who's been born of God and entered into his kingdom. This believer knows how to be joyful. This believer knows how to praise. This believer knows the joy of giving. This believer knows how to wait upon the Lord. This believer knows how to win and not lose. They know. They know it by nature. They know it instinctively because they're taught of the Holy Spirit. I want you to stand with me. The new birth, Jesus said in John 3 that Nicodemus, if you're not born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. In that new birth, something profound happens. You're not turning over a new leaf. You're not becoming a believer. You're not becoming a Christian from some other type of faith or non-faith. But a new creature is made. Through Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension, through the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, a new kingdom is here in the earth. A new temple for God to live in. There's a new species of people. An alien, if you will. There's a people who are in the world, but they're not of it. There's a new priesthood. There's a new world. That's you. And isn't the king worth it? Simple question tonight is that we would greatly desire the spirit of the king. Because you're not going to serve a king who's not real. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who can make Jesus real to you give you power and give you courage and give you intelligence. That's grace working in your life. Grace teaching you. And I say to you, beloved, we need to be so hungry for the Holy Spirit. We need to be so desperate for this new life of Christ. Is your life a true representation of the kingdom of God? Is your life righteousness, peace, 
and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know that. You know that right off the bat. You know if you're a a depressed Christian, a defeated Christian, a discouraged Christian, you're suffering that way, but that's not what God has for you. That's not the way His subjects are to live. It may seem hopeless for you, but the testimony that overcomes that hopelessness is that the life that God intends for you is in His Spirit. That's where your joy comes, your peace, your righteousness. How many of you are entangled with the world? You don't even know how to get untangled. But the Lord can do it. Just ask Him, untangle my heart, untangle my affections. Let them be all for you. Let Him do it. Just trust Him to do it. So I just ask you, just draw near with me in this altar. And let's just present ourselves to the King because Romans 12 says, this is your worship. Present your bodies. Present your bodies as living sacrifice. Present it. Present your body. Don't just say, oh, I'm praying in my heart. No, he said your body. Because if your body comes, your heart comes, your mind comes, your soul comes. Everything comes to you. Now, this is not an agonizing thing. We're not here, and I just say this tonight, we're not here to wail and beat ourselves. But we're here to rejoice. Y'all, we have been brought into a wonderful kingdom. And we have been given a most wonderful opportunity that we can be a demonstration of this kingdom in this hour that we live in. And don't you want to be? So receive the Holy Spirit. Just begin to receive Him now. Begin to praise Him now. Ask the Lord.